There are people that are called to certain careers because of their wiring and their gift set. People say that people are called to serve in politics, or people are called to be veterinarians, or people are called to, to medicine, or to art, or to teaching. Lots of vocational callings. But I think there are times when God is calling us. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today because had it not been for at least my family hearing the call and knowing it was God, we wouldn't have ever come here probably. Some of you know the backstory if you've been through our starting point class that when, when God tapped on our shoulder in 2007 when we were in the Seattle suburbs, uh, he tapped on the shoulder and said, I, I, I think you need to start a church in, in Dallas, Oregon. And my immediate response was no. In fact, you're not, you're not going to think this is very spiritual of me, but I asked our small group to, to, to pray. And I didn't ask them to pray for God's will. See, that's very unspiritual, okay? I'm just admitting that to you. You know what I was asking them to pray for? It's a two-letter word. No. So I knew how hard it was going to be. I already moved across the country a couple times. Why would God call us to do something like that? And when it became blatantly obvious that if I were to say no to that, I would be pulling, if you know the Old Testament story of Jonah, it became blatantly obvious if I said no, which I was ready to do, I would be pulling a Jonah and going the opposite direction. Well, as you know, we did say yes. And I'm so thankful. I mean, I, I can't imagine having not said yes. But that calling became crucial. And, and, and we're going to be talking about that today because sometimes, yes, we have opportunities and we have open doors and we have career options we can switch. There's lots of things we can do. It's one of the things I think that some of the younger generations struggle with is we keep saying, you can do anything you want. And I think they're tired of us saying that because there's too many things that are possible. And so it's like, I can't decide they get into this sort of choice paralysis. And, uh, and so sometimes I think they would like three options, not 50. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are nodding. You know what I'm talking about. But, but beyond those opportunities, especially those who say they follow Jesus, there's some calling involved in where we're at and what God is wanting us to do. And that's what we're going to be leaning into today as we're in Matthew chapter 4. So I encourage you to find Matthew chapter 4 in your device, your template, because I believe, and maybe this is the question to kick us off, has God ever prompted you to do something? Has God ever called you to do something? And you knew it was a calling. And you then had to wrestle with, do I listen? Do I refuse? Do I say no? Or do I, do I go? These are things that are going to be happening to you in your life, whether you're young or old especially if you call yourself a Christ follower, a person of faith. God is going to be doing that. I'm Pastor Ben. Glad you're here with us today. Uh, we're going to hit some heavy stuff today, but it's good to gather like this, like Christ followers all over the, of the globe. We say this often. We're one big dysfunctional family of faith following Jesus. And why do we gather on a Sunday? Because that was the day that tomb was empty and it changed human history forever. And for many of us, it changed our whole directory in life, direction in life forever. And uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. So I'm going to do something now that I do some, sometimes, often. 
And I went to a seminar yesterday, and now I know it's confirmed there's science behind what we're about to do, okay? So on the count of three, everybody take a deep breath and hold it for like four seconds. Here we go, deep breath, one, two, three. Hold it and let it out. Today is Sunday. It's a reset. Today, once again, we follow Jesus. Let's pray in his name to the Father right now. Father, we come before you. You're so good and powerful. Thank you that you uh, allow us to gather like this. What a blessing it is. And Father, your Holy Spirit is moving already in this room. And as we pause and we reflect and we reset today, I pray that you would, would reawaken the calling that you have on each of our lives. Not just, not just to follow your son Jesus, but beyond that, the calling individually that each of us have to use our gifts and talents and abilities to advance your kingdom. So, Father, I pray that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit to all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, today we are going to be talking about this call. We're going to, we're going to see the few, first few calls, people called to, to follow Jesus. And so today I'm just calling the message Capernaum and the call to discipleship because some big things happen. Uh, we, we saw already last week, if you were with us or, or, or uh, online, uh, David did a great job talking through some pretty big moments in Jesus' life. Uh, kind of some going public moments. First of all, it was the, the baptism, which we, we call John the Immerser, right? And Jesus goes to John the Immerser, and there's this big moment where he goes public, and something cool happens in that passage where you have Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all come together in that moment. Did you catch that when you read that passage? First of all, you have the Son getting into the water with John the Immerser, okay? Then you have heavens opening up, and the Father says, It's my Son who I'm well pleased Father, Son, where's, where's the Spirit? And the Spirit descends like a dove. Isn't that cool? Matthew records that for us. So that happens. He goes public. And then he goes right to a real fun moment where he's kind of kicked into the wilderness, <laughs> led to the wilderness, and he's got to like eat no food for 40 days. So that's fun. He's tempted by, by the devil. Tested is really a better, a better term for that. And while he's there, we've got to see who is this Son of God. It was, a, it was an identity test for him. What kind of son of God was he going to be? Because he had all the power. Was, was he going to follow God's will? Or... So he had an identity moment. So those some big ha- happenings there last week. And if you missed any of that, please catch up. David did a great job. But today, we got more big things happening, including a, a, a relocation, an imprisonment, and then some calling of some smelly fishermen. So let's go. Uh, Verse 12 is where we'll kick it off. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the, the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, 
mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat, left the boat and, and, and their father and followed him. And he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, and, and having, uh, those having seizures and, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So things kick off with a bang. What do we find out first? Well, we find out that, uh, well, his cousin John, we call him crazy jo- cousin John, he was that wilderness guy eating bugs. Maybe that's not a nice term. So John the Immerser, he gets thrown into to prison. Now, Matthew here doesn't tell us why, but Matthew will tell us later. I think it's chapter 14. We get this juicy story of Herod Antipas marrying his niece. So that's a juicy story. That'll be down the road when we get, that, get to that part in the series, but that's, that's what he'll tell us later. So he gets put into prison, and that's kind of a, a moment where Jesus says, okay, it's time maybe that I pick up the mantle. And Jesus does a relocation. So where has, where has Jesus been most of his life? Starts with an N. The town is Nazareth. Yeah, he's Nazareth. He was a stick town guy. Small town, blue-collar worker, likely went to construction sites with his dad and his brothers. And uh, so he relocates to a town that's kind of hard to say, Capernaum. That's how I'll hash it. I don't know what the proper way to say that is. But they relocate, so that's a a pretty big deal. Now, Capernaum is a bigger town, about 1,500 people or so, we think, in that time frame. And it would have been more more suitable to commerce, more people were in and out, uh, a little more strategic, maybe, in that spot. Um, And it's on the north, north shore of the Sea of Galilee, and it's squarely in very Gentile territory. Now I realize this is still that little strip of land we call Israel from all the way back in ancient times. But remember, now we're under the Roman Empire. Uh, They've had lots of conquerings and all kinds of stuff. And so we have cities built on cities. Uh, It's gotten a little convoluted. But here in this part of Palestine, if you will, you have the, the Galilee area. So you have a mixture of Greeks and and Romans, and Jewish synagogues, all kind of in that spot. So that's interesting, if you think about it, that Jesus would kick off his ministry someplace other than the big holy city. That's interesting, right? Hold on to that. And uh, by the way, people think that this town of Capernaum was strategic for other reasons, like this is probably where Peter's house was, his family home of Peter, one of the kind of the key first disciples, his family home is there, and that's probably where they had their headquarters, at least for a little while. Some pretty key healings happened in Capernaum. Uh, Not just key healings, but key healings and and help to very important people in Capernaum. And it's uh, there in Capernaum that one particular young man named Levi, a.k.a. Matthew, is called out of his tax collector booth. Our writer here is called in the town of Capernaum. So it must have been pretty special to Matthew that this is where he found Jesus. 
So then we get a hyperlink. Where's our hyperlink? Do you see the hyperlink? Remember what we call that now? You get a hyperlink. It goes back to an Old Testament scripture. We got Isaiah 9 quoted. The, 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 the area of, what is it, uh, Zebulun and Naphtali will see a great light. The, the writer Isaiah is quoted there. And in all of the Jewish divisions, remember at this point, we know the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We've heard of those different tribes, I guess, or different camps in ancient Judaism. But we also had the Essenes, we had the Zealots, we had the Herodians, the whole mixed bag, all these different sort of sects in the first century Judaism. They all would have agreed on this one thing, though, that the Messiah, that leader would bring light. And here is Matthew saying, yep, this is the one. All of us agree when the Messiah comes, he will bring light. And here he's literally bringing light, just not in the town they thought that the light would come to first. Not in this area of the world. I'm going to show you a map here in a second, but hold on. So he chooses there. And then what's his message? A brand new message? I mean, remember what John left off saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So what does Jesus do right out of the gate? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Good repetition between leaders. Good handoff. Repent. And that's, a, that's an active word. That's like not just a, oh, that's interesting. Repent is, you've got to, get up and change directions. That's literally kind of what the term meant. And so when Messiah comes, when that kingdom's come, hey, this is a new kingdom, so you need to make a decision. It's time to make a decision. And as we know from an announcement of a kingdom, a new king and a new kingdom, at least for the Roman Empire, that meant big deal. If a new king was coming in, everything's changed. And so that's the message that Jesus begins to teach. And then he calls four fishermen, two sets of brothers. We have what? Peter and his brother Andrew, and then we have James and John. And who's their dad? Starts with a Z, Zebedee, who happened to be there. That was interesting that Matthew records that. I don't know where, who was helping Peter and Andrew, because these are probably teenagers, by the way. These are teenage guys that Jesus is calling. <clears throat> and so we have uh, these four that are initially called, and, and the scriptures tell us, at least Matthew records, that when Jesus called them, they did something Pretty soon. It says immediately they left their nets, they left their father, and, and started following Jesus. Now, we know from John's gospel that he wasn't completely foreign to them. Like they didn't know, they didn't they didn't know him well, but they knew of him. In fact, John's gospel in the first chapter of John uh, shows us that this wasn't the first time that they'd met, but again, they didn't really know him that well. And when he called them, the scriptures say, Matthew records, they immediately left. Now imagine that might have caused some rifts with Papa Zebedee there at least early on. That would have been a little bit difficult for them. But here we go, we got, we got Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And we know that at least three of those four formed kind of the inner circle, if you will, of Jesus' twelve. Right, the, the twelve again, matching sort of the twelve tribes of Israel. You had the twelve, but then you had the three. So sorry, Andrew. Andrew was not part of the Peter, James, and John. Andrew's like, hey, what about what about me? He, uh, sorry, but now Jesus calls them to something that maybe you hadn't thought of. He said, you're going to be you're, you're fishermen, so you know that that gig. But you're going to be fishermen of of men. You're going to fish 
people. Odd sort of phrase. And if you think about it, and, and if you ever have, have dived into this, the, 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 that new series, the crowdfunded series, The Chosen, this is very helpful because you'll see a visual of the kind of crazy fishing that they would often do, which is with nets. Now, I've done lots of fishing in my time, and fishing's great with these modern reels and everything. It's super great. In fact, the last time I went fishing, we had electric reels. So when you got a fish on, you didn't do this. You just went, <clears throat> Now, that's how you fish right there. And when it was time to pull the crab pots up, none of this business. You put it on the pulley. That, you know, that's, they did not have that. This is not the kind of fishing that these guys had, but they would have weighted nets. And, um, and these weighted nets, you'd have to throw them out, right? And then have a way to probably like a rope or a few ropes to kind of make sure that you don't lose the net. That would be bad. But they're, they're fishing with nets. It was hard work. Uh, often it was at inconvenient times like in the middle of the night because generally the, the the weather was a little nicer a little calmer uh, fact commercial fishermen still do that by the way so it would have been hard work not convenient and it would have yielded usually pretty bad results now Jesus tells them you're going to be fishers of men so I wonder if he's giving them a little bit of a hint that, you know what, the ministry that I'm calling you to is going to be amongst a lot of people, and it's going to be hard work, it's going to be inconvenient, and sometimes the yields aren't going to be great. Interesting, right? Have you ever thought of it that way? So we have these fishermen that are called, and Jesus kicks off his ministry, he's proclaiming, he's acting a lot like a prophet. There's no question that he is a prophet. In fact, Moses, in Deuteronomy 18, this is way back in the Torah, Moses tells the people of Israel, one day God will raise up a prophet among you like me. And here's Matthew showing that, that when Jesus kicks off his ministry, he's acting as a prophet. He's, he's calling people to a new kingdom. And oftentimes prophets call people back to God's ways. And here is what Jesus is doing. That prophet has now come. The one like Moses is here. And he starts preaching and then he starts doing lots of healing. And people are excited about that. People are bringing all their friends, come and get healed. It's pretty awesome. Now there's something interesting, and I'm just going to put it out there, and I'm going to take very little time to do this, but this is for the Bible nerds among us. So would you close your eyes for a second? I'm going to read one of the verses I just read. And then I'm going to read another verse, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about that. See if you can see any similarities between these two verses that I'm going to read. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. All right, you can open your eyes. Those two verses sound pretty similar, right? They're about five chapters apart. So, and I haven't found it yet, but there is a device in Hebrew poetry and literature called a chiasm, which is kind of like a literary sandwich. So there'd be like two bread things. I'm using this as a metaphor, but you have the two verses I just read. Again, there are five chapters in, the, in between those two, right? You have the Sermon on the Mount, then you have some healings that are going to happen. 
So what we can do in Hebrew literature sometimes is we, the, the Matthew may be showing us a chiasm. That is, there's the bread and there's some innards to the sandwich. And oftentimes there's a middle of the sandwich. Now, I haven't found it yet. I'm just going to put it out there. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. So between those verses, which was Matthew 4.23 and Matthew 9.35, I wonder if there's a center. It's probably in the Sermon on the Mount somewhere. And that was like the center of the truth sandwich. Okay, so, so, so nerds go. That includes me. I'm going to be looking for it this week. So what happens here? Healings happen, word gets out. We would say it went viral. And so people are coming from all over. Fame. He's famous in not just a small town anymore. Now he's, there's Nazareth, Nazareth by the way. So you can see that was a little bit of a, a change, right? So you're, Nazareth is down there kind of on the, the left middle there. And then Capernaum is all the way kind of that, that top part. You sit up there kind of on the, uh, on the west side of the very tip of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, so this is the Galilee of the Gentiles. This is where Jesus kicks off his ministry. Again, a little bit scandalous that the Messiah, the bringer of light, wouldn't have started in the holy city where the temple was. That would have been the obvious place to kick it off. But he starts it here, and that should give us a glimpse of something, that the Messiah was for everybody, even the outsiders, even those who maybe weren't welcome in the synagogue. Jesus is about bringing the good news to everyone on the planet. And so it's, it's spread everywhere. And it's interesting that, that you have the, the Gentiles and the Jews sort of living in the same area. You'll notice, and, and maybe it's not obvious when you read the names of these cities, but they don't sound very Jewish. Now this was te- technically, this was, this was originally where the, 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 the nation was. Ancient Israel was in this same area, Naphtali, Zebulun. Those are very... Jewish names of tribes, and they lived in these areas. But now, after being conquered and being conquered, and now they're under what rule? You know this by now. Roman, Roman rule. Greek and Roman influence. Now you're starting to see in that Holy Land area, region, you're seeing names that don't sound very Jewish. You're seeing Greek names. You're seeing Roman names. Sephorus. That would have been a a Roman outpost. There was probably a Roman legion there. And that probably, Sephorus was an area where Jesus and his brothers and his dad would probably go do construction projects right north in Sephorus and then come back home. So you have this area that's, that's a mix of both Jewish and Gentile. And uh, I just find that so curious. This, this about 300,000 people in this region, about 20, uh, well, about 200 actually villages and cities all scattered out through this. This is only showing a, a bit of those. And what they call the Decapolis, the 10 cities. This is where things get, get going. Galilee. Why Galilee? I, I like one commentator. He said it this way. Galilee is so often the underdog, both in political fortunes and in the eyes of official Jewish religion. But it was, in fact, destined to play a, a crucial role in the unfolding of God's plan of salvation. The kingdom, Jesus said, is near. So repent. Take some action. Here amongst the outsiders and the broken and the blue-collar workers, this is where God's kingdom was breaking in for the first time. And aren't we glad it happened that way? It is interesting, back to Andrew's name. Of the four, he's, he's got a Greek name. Andrew's a Greek name. So there's some Greek influence in this area. 
even amongst the, the, the Jews and the blue-collar workers. You definitely have some, some influence going on there. Maybe that's why, Andrew, he didn't make it into the top three. I don't know. It was the name, you know. My, my younger brother is also named Andrew, and he goes by Drew now. And it's cooler. So, of course, of course, I call him Drool. Drool. He didn't really appreciate that. Anyway, <clears throat> so there's a connection. When you want to join up in this new kingdom, it's going to require repentance, a change of direction. A new king has come. This is a new world, new now, and it's a new way to be human. And so repentance is connected to entrance into this kingdom. You're, you, you repent because you're changing directions. God's realm is breaking in to human history. And what does it start to look like? It starts to look like freedom for the captives, healing for the broken. The outsiders get to be part of the team. The kingdom is breaking in. And so change of direction now. Repent. The kingdom is here. If you want to be part of that kingdom, you've got a choice to make. Right from the beginning, Jesus said, you know what, I'm not going to force anybody to... That's usually how empires worked, by the way. When the Roman Empire came in, they weren't like, hey, would you like to be part of the Roman Empire? Nope. It was a sword in your face, so turn or die. That's how it was. That's usually how human empires work, right? Well, here's this new king and new kingdom coming in that's breaking. God's kingdom is breaking into... Like, God's empire is coming in, and it's coming on the, uh, not on a sword, but on love and healing. And, and salvation and freedom for the captives. We have two different kingdom situations going on here. And Jesus will say later, my kingdom is not of this world. It's a new kingdom and a new way to be human. It was breaking in right there. And the question for all of us is, do we say yes? Do we say yes? Do we repent? Do we change direction? Do we say I'm all in or, you know, I'm going to go back to mending my nets. I mean, just put yourself for a second. In, the, in that situation, you're, you're with, your, with your father, you're fishing, I don't know. You're in the boat there, you're mending nets, you're doing, the, you're doing your thing. This is what you know how to do. And Jesus is on the shore and he's calling. So who are you going to be? Are you going to be that person that's like, you know, I'll get to that, but I've got to mend these nets. Or, you know... That looks like a, a great adventure, but you know, this is what I'm comfortable with. I'm just going to stick here in the boat. Or are you like, I don't want to hear that religious junk. Tell him to move on. You're the skeptic. Who are you? Because Jesus was calling. Maybe you're still spiritually sitting in the boat today. You're not sure. You've never made that repent moment where you said, I want that kingdom. Not the way I was going. Where are you today? I'm convinced that if you say you're a follower of Jesus, you've been called. You've been called to a new kingdom and to walk the new kingdom ways. That's more of that general calling, I would say. So when Jesus called his first, even these first few, the first step was being part of the kingdom, right? Learning the kingdom ways. But then these and others had a specific calling on their lives. And we would know them as the 12 apostles, sort of the, that, that inner group that everything got kind of started with. They had a special calling on their life. So it was a general calling to be in the kingdom. And then you have your unique giftings and talents and abilities. And God has a unique calling for you 
and me too. And the question is, do we hear what that calling is? Do we know what it is? And if we do, what do we do about it? Do we say yes? Do we say no? Uh, there was a chance that I was going to say no to coming to this town and planting this church amongst us all here. I was on the verge of pulling a Jonah because I knew how hard it would be. I don't know, maybe, maybe you might be thinking, well, yeah, Ben, that's good for you. You've got that calling. That's kind of special. Not all of us are called to preach. I get that. Not all of us are called to play an instrument. But God has uniquely gifted each of us. When we're called into the kingdom, that's our general calling. We're now in the kingdom. We're kingdom people. But he's called each of you to your unique gifting and ability. I can guarantee you, John and James were very different than, than Andrew. And that Peter was very different than Matthew. These were different people. You know, by the way, they probably represented several of those arguing factions in first century Judaism. And Jesus calls them all there. They all have their giftings and abilities. And God is calling you and I to discern that calling. What is that calling? It may not be that you're called like I was or my family was to move from one state to another and start a church, but God has a calling on you. You have giftings and talents and abilities. He's calling you to something. And do you say yes or do you say no? And so here's the only prayer. I want, I want to pray this with us. And maybe this could be your prayer today or this week. Because you may be thinking, I don't know what my calling is. So I don't want to miss it. I don't want to pull a Jonah, Ben. I don't want to do that. That didn't work out well for Jonah. I don't want one of those. So here's what I want you to pray. Maybe you need to write this down, put it in your device. And it's just very simple. And you can do this with your eyes open. You know you can pray with your eyes open. Very important when you're driving. You pray this. Lord, clarify my calling and empower my going. See, those guys in the boat, they heard the call. Now they had a choice. Did they get up immediately? I mean... Look, the, the, Mets, the, the, men, the, the nets needed to be mended. I mean, that's important. You've got to feed your family. All of those things that we would use to delay saying yes, delay going. So, Lord, try this with me. Lord, clarify my calling and empower my going. Let's try that one more time. We can do this. Lord, clarify my calling and empower my going. Imagine. Imagine God using all of our giftings and, and, and us saying yes to his calling, not only as individuals, but as a church. Imagine God's kingdom breaking through even more in our world right now, in our community, that God's realm would come near again, more than ever, that we would be ushering in that prayer that Jesus modeled for us, right? May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. What if we could be part of that? Imagine a people. And what does that look like? What does it look like when God's kingdom starts breaking in? when his realm starts coming, when, when God's people answer the call and we begin to walk those ways, those kingdom ways, here's what happens. We begin to love the least and people notice. We begin to, to welcome outsiders. We begin to welcome the broken. We begin to put someone else's needs first. We embrace humility. This is what it looks like when the kingdom breaks in. I want to be part of that. I hope you want to be part of that. So, Lord, for our parts, each of us, clarify, maybe let's, let's change it, clarify our calling and empower our going. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you've called us, 
not just to, to follow your son Jesus, but to, to have a unique role in your kingdom so that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Father, we pray that boldly now, that you would help us to be a blessing to everyone around us, that they would see the good deeds that you've called us each to do, and they would glorify you. And that, Father, we would be a people known by love. Help us to uh, know our calling and that you would empower our going. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.